Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're a wealthy parent, how can you prevent your children from contracting rich kiditis? And zero-rate credit cards. With several providers offering 0% deals lasting as long as three years, what should you consider before transferring a debt? Welcome to The Money Show, the FT's most popular weekly podcast. I'm Claire Barrett, FT Money Editor, and I'll be giving you all the week's money news in downloadable form. Bottles of crystal on private jets, barbells stretching to six figures and more bling than a Kardashian's wardrobe. The rich kids of Instagram are every wealthy parent's nightmare come true. Subtitled, they have more money than you and this is what they do. The images of excess displayed on the popular website present a virtual scrapbook of wealth being squandered with gusto by the next generation. Having worked hard all your life to obtain the trappings of wealth, how can you ensure that your children don't contract rich kiditis. I'm joined by Hugo Greenhouse, wealth correspondent at the Financial Times, and Wilson Cosson, partner at Smith & Williamson, to discuss. Welcome both. Thank, Thank you. you. Firstly, Hugo, tell us in your own words about the quandary successful parents find themselves in when it comes to rich kiditis. Well, I have to say, first of all, it's very much a quandary that we'd all like to find ourselves in, quite frankly. But the problem is that how can you ensure that your success, your achievements, uh, the money you've made, doesn't ruin your children's lives? We all hear kind of stories of you know kids coming into their trust funds at age 18, blowing it on a Porsche, getting wrapped up in alcohol or drug problems. So the point is, how can you sensibly and responsibly pass on your money to the next generation, again, without ensuring that they will have a reason to find a job. Warren Buffett, the legendary investor, has a very good aphorism. Mm. He says, a very rich person should leave his kids enough to do anything, but not enough to do nothing. Mm. And that's the trick here. How much is too much? And how much is too little? You don't want to be stingy. You want your children to have a better life, perhaps, than you did when you were growing up and you were struggling to make your first million. But you don't want to ruin their lives by giving them the idea they can do anything they want, so they decide to do nothing. Well, at this point, I'm going to bring in Wilson. Now, how common an issue is this for you and your clients when you're discussing inheritance matters? I think it's common for anybody who advises wealthy private clients. And it's long been a common issue that if you go back... Over a long time, you would have looked at family estates, family companies. How do you ensure that one or the children aren't spoiled by the wealth they generate and that they continue to exist as business entities? But now you've got the generation that made a lot of money in the financial sector who have married, had children, have their wealth and want to ensure that 
that wealth is available for their family, because often this is of dynastic sums, they want to ensure that it is for their family going down the generations and that it does not just spoil one or two generations, the children that they know or the grandchildren that eventually they will have. So yes, it is a common concern and a growing concern. Now, as a professional, you might advise families in that situation to consider a family trust structure, as this can give you as a parent some kind of control and authority over how much the child might receive when and at what age they might be when they receive it. What kind of things would you advise? Yes, I would agree that the the family trust is the best proven, historically, vehicle for passing wealth down from one generation to another. I think that the real problem that we have in the trust world now is that we are victims of the way that in which they were sold 20 or 30 years ago. And so they've come under attack either under tax regimes or we will see increasingly the move towards a removal of privacy, not just secrecy, but privacy as well, and that eventually knowledge of trusts will become public. There are new proposals from Europe on the anti-money laundering directive which will create public registers. But if you wanted to, say, ensure that your child came into wealth in their 20s or 30s rather than, as Hugo was saying, mm. age 18, so they could blow it all on the Porsche, that is something that's possible for parents oh, to yes. set up? Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. And the trust, as I say, has a proven history of doing just that. And what other kind of tax considerations do parents need to bear in mind when they're planning their estates? Well, clearly, the big change that came 10 years ago was that a gift into trust became chargeable per se. So there is a large hit when you set one up, a 20% hit. I would love to have a situation where trusts were completely tax neutral. So no benefit no adverse consequences, and I would hope that eventually that that holy grail will be reached. But at the moment, the taxation of trusts is more complex than it should be. So when you are setting up a trust, it's not just a case of setting up this vehicle, but ensuring that you have the right trustees in place who are an appropriate mixture of, if you like, the experienced technical expert mm. who can deal with changes to tax regimes, because in this country, sadly, we don't have a stable tax regime, but also are the fatherly or uncle-like figures who will fulfil the traditional grim-visaged role of the trustee, whose principal job is to say no. Yes, to requests for the wealth to be to be spent on goodness knows what. And finally, returning to Hugo, lots of the commentators that you've spoken to in this article have tried to instil financial values in their children above spending all of them on Bolly and Ferraris. Tell us some of the techniques that you've heard about for achieving that. Yeah, yes, it's interesting because what you have is parents wanting to instil not just a sense of what money means, but also a sense of the values of common upbringings, of kind of being brought up like other people, basically. There's a very famous example of Brooklyn Beckham, who was packed off to a coffee shop by his parents, so you know, David Beckham and Victoria Beckham, to learn not just how to become a barista, but also to learn about, well, what money means, what pocket money means. And there are lots of those examples. I mean, we talked to quite a few people for the sake of the piece who said that one of the ways that they've been doing this is not only to get their kids to you know, out you know, over summer jobs, but also to bring them into the money at a much earlier age, to get them involved in things like philanthropy, for example, 
people. Mm. So therefore, they have an understanding of not just what the money is there for, but what they can do for it, both for good and for other people, not just themselves. Well, very interesting stuff there. Thanks very much to Wilson Cotton, partner at Smith & Williamson, and Hugo Greenhouse, our wealth correspondent. You can read Hugo's feature, How to Prevent Your Children from Contracting Rich Kiditis, from this Friday online at ft.com slash money, or in the weekend newspaper this Saturday. Interest rates may be falling in the UK, but for those of us with credit card debt, this is not going to be reflected in our bills. However, a record number of zero-rate balance transfer deals are now available, some lasting longer than three years. But what should you know before taking one out? Lindsay Cook, the FT's Money Mentor columnist, joins me now in the studio and has written all about this issue this week. Lindsay, welcome to The Money Show. Good morning. Let's assume I've got a big credit card debt and I get a zero rate offer through the post or online from one of the big credit card companies. What should I do? Well, it depends. If it's your current card issuer who offers you terms, you are in danger of incurring big costs because you transfer over another debt into your credit card, but you keep on spending. And whereas you've probably not incurred interest before, you now incur interest on every single thing you spend from the day you spend it. The CMA report last week indicated that 19% of credit card customers who paid interest weren't expecting to, and I suspect a lot of those were people who'd taken out zero interest cards and had not read all the terms. Now, typically when you get an interest rate deal like this, the word zero is the one that sticks in the mind, but there is obviously a cost for transferring that debt because you're levied um, a charge will be levied on the balance that you're transferring. Absolutely, and they can be as low as 1.5% but as high as 4%. That will vary depending on how much you need the money. If you want the loan, they will charge you more. They probably won't even give you the full 40 months that they've been offering. They may only, if you want to transfer 3000 they may say, we'll transfer 1500 for 20 months. Now, there the danger is, do you say, I'm not going to do that, and flounce off, then you don't have the means to do it. You've got a search on your credit record and they stay on for roughly a year. So the next person you ask for a zero credit transfer will know you need the money. And that's not the only charge that people should look out for. If you've transferred to one of these zero rate deals, theoretically on the debt that you've passed over, you won't have to pay any more interest, but you could pay more interest if you forget to make a repayment, for example. Oh, if you forget to make a repayment, that is curtains, because the chances are they will cancel the zero interest, zero percent charge, and suddenly it could be costing you more than 30 percent, whereas previously you'd pay a much lower level. You've got to be absolutely squeaky clean with one of these cards. You've got to be really disciplined. If you go, I've known people use them successfully. They have transferred... They've not spent on the cards. They've actually cut the card up when they got it, not spent on the card, paid off the full amount by the date that it's due, and then that's marvellous. But very few people can achieve that. Yes, well, certainly you have to be very organised and you could start by reading Lindsay's column on this issue, what you should know before taking out a zero-rate credit card deal in the money section this week, available on ft.com money now. The Money Show will be going off on its annual summer break for the next two weeks, but rest assured we will be back again from Thursday the 1st of September, bringing you the best of the week's money news. Until then, that's it from The Money Show. Goodbye. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, you might like to try our FT News podcasts. 
which focus on one of the main issues of the day and bring you the insights and expertise of our global network of journalists, as well as outside contributors. You can download these at ft.com slash podcasts most days of the week. Did you know the Capital Ideas podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin? Through the words and experiences of investment professionals, you'll discover who was their best mentor, what's a mistake they made that changed their approach, and how do they find their next great idea? Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. This Mother's Day, treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their advanced eye care duo brightens and firms skin around your eyes, while the Golden Glow Body Trio nourishes and smooths skin all over. Go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM for 10% off your first order site-wide.